Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. And I always forget to do this, and usually Bonnie or Heather, who's not here, someone reminds me, make sure you check in. Uh, let your friends and family know that you're celebrating Jesus with us this morning. Uh, but before we begin, and actually, um, John came up to remind me, and I was like, no, I'm going to do this now. But that, that was the thing that I forgot, even though I have it written down here to do it now, uh, is, is I sent out an, uh, a message saying that Ed Wagner had had a stroke. Uh, his daughter had texted me and said, can we, can we, can you hear me? Okay, uh, texted me and said, you know, can we pray for him, put him on a, on a prayer chain? And uh, um, later she said that, you know, by the time she got there, he was responsive, he was doing better, and they went down to have uh, lunch or dinner, I forget what time it was, a meal, whatever, together, uh, but I didn't hear back from her, and um, I, I'll, I'll try to keep you guys updated, I'll reach out to her this afternoon, was it actually a stroke, was it something else, um, uh, in either case, and I was also saying that um, uh, Victoria is coming back, I'm still not sure what weekend. Uh, because Ed and Helen have been asking us to, uh, you know, they wanted to come here to see Victoria, but their family was kind of hesitant about bringing them here. Uh, so what I'm trying to find out, and Stephen, uh, I'll check with you afterwards. Hold on, hold that thought. I mean, after I'm finished this, I'll check with you, uh, is find out what Sunday she's going to be here. I checked with her. She said she would love to, like after the Sunday celebration, go out and visit them, which will probably be the weekend of... So she'll be here next Sunday morning. So next Sunday afternoon. Yeah, we're not going to go by that time. <laughs> like, show me the money. Let me see a ticket in hand. In any case, uh, because they really want to see here, we're going to try to coordinate. And whenever Sunday she's here, we'll keep you updated. Try to get a group. And just whoever wants to go, head out there and spend some time with them. And Gary's not here, but usually when he and I go visit either her or even, uh, I don't know how many remember Thelma Khan when we go visit Margaret Miller, one of the last things, one of the first things they say when we walk in, and one of the last things they tell us when we're leaving is how much they miss you guys and this place and gathering together with you. And, and you don't have to take my word for it. Ask Gary, because he's been coming with me a lot to visit them. They, they really miss you guys. And I understand we're busy. We can't all you know, head out to visit them. But if you're able to next weekend or whenever we see a plane ticket, uh, we, we'll, we'll, we'll try to coordinate a visit out to... Uh, visit the Wagners. Uh, but for those of you who weren't here last week, uh, Jessica was here, uh, shared a great message, but I wanted to share two things really quickly uh, uh, about what she said. Uh, uh, and before I even do that, first is, uh, if, you ha if you didn't hear her message, it's, it's online. One of the things she told me to let everyone know is if they download it, which you can download it, you could share it, send it to people you think might be interested. Uh, but if you share it, do not use her name. So uh, on our thing, uh, I couldn't say, you know, Jessica or missionary. I just said a friend shares their journey of faith in the far away places so that if people Google her name, it won't show up that she's a missionary or that she shared that message. Uh, but the, the two things that were really cool uh, about what she shared, uh, the first one was that the Dalai Lama had a smartphone, which 
blows me away. Because when you think, you know, Buddhist monks or whatever, of which he is the, the monkiest of monks, I didn't mean it like that. But, you know what I mean? He's, he, you don't think of him having a smartphone, but she said she has actually seen him on it. And if you, those of you who were here last week, uh, she actually got to um, bless him, even if it was only briefly. Uh, but the second thing that she confirmed was, was really awesome was this picture, which still blows me away. It makes my heart jump with joy, is that they have what they call Saturday night dialogue sessions, where Tibetan Buddhist monks and Christians gather in her home and share their views on a given subject. So it's not like what we see on Facebook where you share a view and someone bashes you for it because they have an opposing view. It's they're sharing their differing views and talking about it, sharing meals together, spending time together. And, and it just blows me away because this, this is an amazing, amazing act of faith on her part to open her home and say, hey, you guys who have totally different views, come in and let's just talk about them. I'm not going to bash you for what you believe. Don't bash me for what I believe. Let's just share what we believe. And it's not all Christian stuff. She said it expanded to, you know, what do you think about, you know, the Russians being banned from the Olympics? What do you think about, you know, the missing jet? What do you think about, you know, the upcoming Justice League movie? Blah, blah, blah. Um, which I'm assuming if they have smartphones, they probably go to movies. But they may not. All right. But in any case, this, this is um, one of the best ways this is how the church was formed, to, to share Christ. Not that, hey, once you get in my home, I'm going to beat you over the head with the Bible, but just to invite people into your life. And in a couple of weeks, uh, we're actually going to start a series called You're Invited, which basically talks about how to connect with people. And when the door opens, not with the intentionality of the only reason I'm connecting with you is because I want to you know, make you a Christian or get you into my church, but just to connect with people. And then when God opens the door, how to share your faith, how to invite them to church, how to invite them to the things that you do in your life, even non-church, because that's what they invite you to. Come hang out with me here and there. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. But uh, this is the faith that we've been talking about that's uh, as we've been walking through Hebrews 11, that we've seen amazing acts of faith in all of the people in Hebrews chapter 11. And just really quick, let me summarize. We talked about Abel and his faith, despite the fact that his brother didn't have the same faith and uh, how, uh, you know, it ended up costing him his life. We talked about Enoch, who God looked at his faith and said, wow, your faith is so amazing that regardless of whatever else is going on in your life, I want you to just come up here right now. Just, just, it would be like me doing this. Just, you know what, regardless of whatever else is coming on, Larry, just come up, come here, come here, come here. He's going to come up here with me, have a seat on the stool back there. And he's going to do the rest of this, call it life, up here while you guys are down there. No funny faces behind my head, though. Okay, so that, that's the amazing faith that he had, that God looked at his faith and said, wow. I want you up here with me right now. I don't want to wait until your life ends. I don't want to wait while you go through all this other stuff. I just want you to come up here. Are you feeling awkward at all? You don't feel like they're staring at you? Okay, cool. All right. I was going to say you can go sit back there, but hang out. All right. So this, and this is what they did. And then we talked about the faith of uh, Abraham, who his faith was so amazing because he expected God to do a miracle, raises from, from the dead, even though it had never been done before. And we all know people in our families, uh, some of us maybe even wanting, like, God, I'm in a position where I need a miracle that you have never done before. I mean, a supernatural, God only intervening, only you can show up and do it type of miracle in my life, whether it be in my job, my finances, medically, whatever it is. And that's the faith that Abraham had. And then Joseph, 
who had um, faith and spent his whole life waiting for God to fulfill this vision that he gave him, while he kept hitting roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And I can tell you, I can really identify with this because God calls us to something and we keep hitting roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And we're like, what's going on with this? And we tend to focus on the problems rather than focus on the vision when in actuality, God's vision for our life is bigger than the problems in our life. But what stands in front of us is the problem. So that's what we dwell on. That's what we focus on. That's what we talk about. Even though there's a bigger God who is bigger than a problem. And then we talked about Moses, who um, both he and his parents, we talked about how they had to, his parents had to make a hard choice to let him go and put him in a basket and send him down the river. He had to make the hard choice to leave Egypt, let go of all the riches that he had, no longer be the, uh, in the king's house or the pharaoh's household. Uh, but then, as we're going to see today, God takes him and sends him back to the very situation that God told him to be removed from. But the reason that God sends him back is so that he can be a, a tool that God uses to save the other people who are in that same situation. And you'll often find, if you talk to um, people who are, especially in ministries re regarding addictions or abuse or any of that, the people that are most effective at going back to those people in those situations and bringing them out is someone who has come out of it themselves. The most effective people, not saying 100%, but usually the most effective people at going into prisons and leading people to Christ are people who have just gotten out of prison. We can say, I've been there. We're not trying to speak down to you, not telling you what your life should be like. They're telling you, this is what my life was, and it no longer is because God brought me out of it. So let's take a quick look at uh, Moses' life. Um, this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, he, meaning Moses, kept the Passover in the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. And some of you, again, remember that whole Ten Commandments scene where they kept the Passover and they had to take and apply the blood, even though it made no sense. This act of faith is what saved them. And even when they left Egypt, they got to a point where uh, they were facing the Red Sea, and so their enemy coming up behind them, no way to move forward in front of them, but by faith, they were able to walk across, and the Egyptians, when they tried to do so, they were drowned. Now, uh, here's what I want to do. Um, I want to look at this particular act, and we're not going to go into detail of it, because further on down the road, we're going to have a, like a detailed look at what the Passover means spiritually, physically, and the implication of that. Uh, but here's the thing that you got to see. When Moses went back, he had to show the people of Israel that there is a path to salvation, both physically and spiritually. So he showed them first, they have to acknowledge that God exists. Second, that God is able. And the third one, which is the most difficult one for people to accept, is that God's way is better than my way. And I personally struggle with this because every time, you know, I mean, look around, I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to be preaching. Um, and, and because we're situated like literally down the road from a large community where there is no other church, we are fortunate to be in an area where in like a probably mile, two mile square radius, no other church. 
And in that community, so I'm told by some of the people who live there, a lot of unchurched people, a lot of non-Christians. And so I look and I say, okay, God, here's what I want to do to reach them. And I have to struggle with accepting that God has a better way than my way. So turn to the book of uh, Exodus chapter 4. And in Exodus chapter 4, this is, um, again, the story of Moses, and he's preparing to go back to Israel, back into what God had moved him from, got back to the situation and to the people that God had uh, pulled him out of. And in chapter 4, verse 27, this is what it says. The Lord said to Aaron, and Aaron is Moses' brother, the Lord said to Aaron, go into the desert to meet Moses. So he met Moses as the mountain, excuse me, at the mountain of God and kissed him. Then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say and also about all the miraculous signs he had commanded him to perform. And Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites. And Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people. And they believed And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. Now, granted, these were the Israel people, these were the Hebrews, these were the people of God, but they had known nothing but misery, struggle, and slavery. They were not in a situation where they could go out testifying how great God is because from their perspective, they had no interaction with God for almost 400 years. The great-great-grandparents were talking about how good God was. But now this generation is like, God who? Yeah, we know we're supposed to go to church. We know we're supposed to sing worship songs. But I have not seen God show up in my life. And then Moses shows up, and he and Aaron, they tell him, hey, you know what? God heard you, and he is concerned about you. And that's the primary message that the church is supposed to deliver the people. We're supposed to tell people that God cares about your situation and he cares about all people. What has happened is that we have focused as the church on telling people what you're not supposed to do, why you're wrong for living this way, why you doing this is wrong, why you doing that is wrong, and all the things God doesn't like about how you're living or what you're doing. That is what the church has transitioned into. But what we're supposed to do is tell people that God cares about you. He loves you. He's concerned about your situation. He's concerned about what you're going through. He knows about your struggle. And if we took the time to share that message, then all the people that are actually seeking, is there a God, would actually listen. Because if I show up seeking God and you're telling me, And this was my story. Well, you smoke too much, you drink too much, you got to stop with the women, blah, 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 blah. Then I'm going to do what I did, which was turn away and go back to smoking too much, drinking too much, and going with the women. But when someone actually came to me and said, you know what, Floyd, God actually loves you and he cares about you. And they didn't focus on what I was doing wrong, but they focused on how God wanted me to be in right standing with him. And how much he cared about me and loved me, I was willing to listen. Tell me more. Who doesn't want to hear about somebody that loves you or cares about you? Yeah, we all want to hear that. 
We don't so much want to hear about what we're doing wrong, how we did this wrong, how we did that wrong. And Christy tells me all the time when I'm telling her, if, if I want to cor correct, I think you did this wrong or whatever, the best thing for me to do is say, hey, I'm glad that you did that. Is there perhaps another way that we can do it that might work? If I start with, you screwed this up again, which I don't, because I don't talk to my wife like that, because I want to keep her as my wife, and I don't want her to hit me. But if we, I mean, if we try just with the positive first and stay on the positive, because that's the positive, that's the message of the, of the gospel, that's the cross, that God loved us and he died for us, not so that he could, like, chisel away all the things we've done wrong, but he could make us into a person who stands in his righteousness. That's what we're supposed to communicate. That's what Moses went back to communicate to the people of Israel, right? Sorry, I feel like I'm dwelling on that too long. So now here, turn to Exodus chapter 11. A couple of pages to the right. In Exodus chapter 11, verse 1, this is what it says. Now, most of your Bibles, depending on what Bible you have, it has at the top the, the plague on the firstborn. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but just if you read through the whole account, this was not God's desire. This was not God's plan. This was not something that God wanted to do. This was over, and, and for the parents, which most parents, uh, your first choice is not to do the harsh discipline on your children, right? Hopefully not. Our first choice is to do the night, hey, I want to tell you, here's the correct way to do this, and hopefully you do it. Okay, you didn't do it again. Let me tell you again. Now there's some consequences because you're still not listening. But when you get to the point where you got to pull out, you know, and I know you're not supposed to say this, the belt, or with my parents, the shoe, the book, whatever was close by, because my mom was like, if I have to get up to spank you, it's going to get worse. So uh, just whatever was close by, by that point, um, that's the last resort. It's not the first resort. But in verse 1, chapter 11, it says, Now the Lord had said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. Tell the people that men and women alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. And this is so awesome. In verse 3, the Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people. And Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. This is, this is the key point. Those people who were watching this, Pharaoh was the stubborn one who said, I'm not going to let you go. And then he would say, okay, I'm going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go. His officials kept going to him and saying, you know what? Perhaps his God is God, and we should listen. The people of Egypt, the Egyptians, the neighbors of the Israelites, they started saying, you know what? About the third, fourth, fifth plague in, by the time my, 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 all my um, crops are gone, um, we've been in darkness for three days, uh, there's been flies and locusts and all this stuff, and all at somebody's command, I don't know about you, even if it challenges my scientific intellectual concept of reality, I'm going to start thinking there might be a God, and he might know. As opposed to, I don't care if there's a God, it's my way or the highway. But then all of the, because of those acts and because of what God had done, um, all of the enemies of God became friends of God and acknowledged that God is able. 
all of the people who were opposed to God, with the exception of Pharaoh, uh, became friends of God, and they started acknowledging that God is able. Now, the next thing that happens is what we know as the Passover. And it's not about a meal. It's more of a process, a process of acknowledging God's sovereignty. And now that you've acknowledged God is able, acknowledging that God's way is better. And it was a process that had both spiritual and physical implications. Uh, and if you read through the passage, we're not going to do it right now. God starts by saying, hey, right now, this is to be the first month for you. This is your January 1st. This is your new year. Because from this point on, you're going to be moving in a new direction, both physically and spiritually. And what we look at as the Passover, that process where they would, God said, I want you to take a lamb and I want you to take it into your house for 14 days. It's got to be without spot and blemish. And I want you to take that lamb and after you cozy up to it and after you feed it and after you, you know, have your kids braid its hair and you have it sit at the table with you, I want you to slit its throat. I did not expect a laugh at that, but it's okay. It's all good. <laughs> I want you to, to, that's what they had to do. And it was a process of the same way. It, a short period of time, just like Jesus walked the earth for a short period of time, and then he was killed. And they were to take the blood of the lamb and wipe it on the doorpost as a sign that uh, when the destroyer that we read about comes, only the blood of that lamb will save you. And there's both spiritual and physical implications. I won't get into that now. But we look back at that meal that they did, that Passover, and God said continue to do that every year in remembrance. We look back at that, and that is what we call communion today. Where we look at, and Paul says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The old covenant was you were putting it on the doorpost, the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And then he said this, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So our communion is not a meal, it's a proclamation. It looks back on what they did as they looked forward to God's spiritual salvation as he physically saved them. We look back on that and say that this is now looking forward to the return of Christ. That we're proclaiming that he's not done. We're proclaiming that he's coming back. We're proclaiming that there is a new path forward and that we are free in him. So at this time, I'm going to ask uh, Larry, since you're up here. Can you come? <laughs> and uh, Kevin, can you guys come up and, and pull this off? And we're going to partake in communion. And I'm just going to ask that, uh, I'm going to pray and then ask that if God lays it on your heart, uh, that you come forward and partake of communion. Um, and maybe if you're not willing to or ready to, maybe this is an opportunity for you to kind of pray and, and do some time with God and uh, let God touch your heart, speak to your heart, or provide that new way forward for your heart. So God, we just thank you so much uh, for your sacrifice. We thank you so much for your provision. We thank you so much that in you, we are provided freedom. We are made in right standing in the sight of God. 
and that we are given salvation through your blood. And as we partake of communion this morning, we do it knowing that it is a proclamation of your promise, of your faithfulness to return. And we pray that you would bless us as we come. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as God leads, just uh, feel free to come up and partake of communion. We're going to close out with a song, but before we do, let me share these two quick verses from you. Because as we read, it said in Hebrews that they crossed over in dry land, and I found this. This is one of the most amazing verses in the Bible in Exodus chapter 14. And this is the American Standard Version. And Moses said unto the people, this is as they're standing in front of the river. And this is not like a creek, as some propose. It is a huge river that's more than a mile across. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of Jehovah, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. This was Moses telling them, this path that we're taking on, this salvation that he came back to provide through God, was going to be a salvation where they would not have to fear their enemy, that what God brought Moses out of them, he could use Moses to bring the Egyptians out of. And although the Israelites faced a lot of other foreign nations and enemies, and they were eventually conquered by the Assyrians and Babylons, they never again in Scripture feared the Egyptians or lost a battle to them. Because when God brings us out of something, his goal is that we would stand strong in him hopefully be used by him to go and help bring others out. And this is why the author of Hebrews writes this verse that we started off this morning with, that by faith he, Moses, kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. And by faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. And I was going to ask us to sing this song again, but I, I feel led to, to go in a little different direction. So I'm going to ask you to do this. We were going to do a quick, uh, we've been doing this step of faith and asking us to kind of jump in and either pray about something or do something to help us push our faith forward. But I was going to spend a few seconds on this, but I feel compelled to spend a lot of time on this. Um, and I, di I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't tell Rob that we were going to talk about this this morning, but as many of you know, and I just want to, can you grab the mic, come up here for a minute? Why do I feel scared? And he was sharing this morning, and this is what propelled me to spend even more time about it. Um, tell him what you were sharing with us this morning about your, um, um, just about your, your, well, I know you shared online about your, was it one year? Oh, okay. Um, on the 23rd of this month, Got, I had my one-year sobriety, so I got my one-year coin, so I'm very thankful for that. Uh, if it wasn't for you guys and uh, the rooms, which is what we call AA, and um, Pastor, uh, I wouldn't have been here. You know, I didn't have anyone else supporting me except for you guys, and honestly, God brought, you, brought me back to you, and you welcomed me with open arms, and I truly appreciate that. 
today I had in my, you guys are understanding that I was incarcerated. And I, part of my incarceration was coming out and being put on house arrest. Two different types of house arrest. First one was a three, was a one month, was a three month thing where I, today is my day, I got it off today. God, so there's another blessing. I got the got the first one off. I have to start another one on the ninth for six months. But God's God's good. God's faithful. He's Amen. getting me through this. Amen. He is leading me. He's opening doors for me. He has led my heart to starting school for to lead on towards being a pastor and becoming uh, a alcohol and keep drug. going. Um, rehabilitation counselor so uh, things I never thought I'd be able to do before but you know I'm thankful I'm listening I'm, I'm walking in his walking in his uh, his glory he's done this for us and, uh, so every day is a challenge with life we all have that but I do know where I can lean on I'm thankful for that so all I can say from here is thank you guys. I, I opened my heart up to you guys and you welcomed me instead of shunning me. And uh, in this day and age of, of people coming to church and thinking everybody that comes here are perfect, this is a, um, what's the phrase, not the hotel for sinners, but it's a, it's a, a sanctity for, not for saints. We're here, you're here to help me. I'm here to help you. For that, I thank you all. Amen. Keep hold on to Sorry. that. Praise God. So here's what I'm gonna do. We we we're we're, we're gonna sing, but I wanna I want us to spend some time just praying for Rob, praying for the journey that God has him on, uh, because there are, there are people in your circles of life and my circles of life that I can't reach and you can't reach, uh, but they're gonna connect with his journey and his struggles because they may feel like I'm talking down to them or about them but they're going to feel like he has walked with them. And I'm not saying that maybe you don't have that same story. I'm just saying this is, this is the picture of God pulling us out, but then lifting us up to send us back so that we can save others. So uh, I'm going to ask you guys to bow your head, and I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll, we'll close out with this song quickly. God, we just thank you so much for um, just bringing Rob into our circle of influence, into our church family. And we pray that you continue to just use him. And we know that it's not an easy road ahead, that there are rivers of obstacles in his way. But just as we just read, uh, we pray that all of those struggles, all of those trials, all of those issues, he will never see again, that you will help him to overcome and use him to reach others, to show your love to others, to connect with others, and to show them your path to salvation, that he might go to people uh, whom he knows, maybe people he hasn't even met yet, and be able to share with them that God exists, that God is able, and that God's way is better. And we pray that we can be a part of that journey in whatever way possible, that we can help him through every storm, every trial, every struggle, and that we would be a resource for him and a tool that you use 
to strengthen him, encourage him, and just guide him down the path that you have for him. And that he would, by your spirit, be used in a mighty way so that you might be glorified. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God, we just are grateful that no matter what storm or struggle or trial surrounds us, that you show up, that you guide us through, you see us through. You're our sailor. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Thank you, guys. I uh, pray that God blesses you as you go and have an awesome rest of your Sunday. See you next week.